What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Emily Townley on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Emily, I'm just going to toss the mic to you. Start wherever you like with your story. All right. Well, hi, my name's Emily. Um, I guess I'll start with um, how my husband and I met. We have an interesting story. Um, we met while we were both through hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, so as a recap, if anybody doesn't know much about it, um, Georgia to Maine, 2,189 miles. Um, and yeah, so we both set out to hike the whole thing in one go, which is called the through hike. Um, took us five months of living in the woods. Um, yeah. And that's how you guys met? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, we, um, well, actually we both blogged. Um, from the same website for the same website Um, and there was a shared Facebook group of people who were hiking in 2016 Um, and I added him on Facebook because I thought he was cute Um, and I remember messaging him like asking him which sleeping bag he was bringing Um, and so we I had flirted with him before we started hiking Um, and he I started on leap year February 29th um, 2016 and then he started the beginning of April um, down in Georgia, and then uh, we met about close to 500 miles in somewhere in North Carolina. Um, yeah, like it was really, it was really funny. Um, I was excited to meet him. I mean, obviously, I'd been flirting with him, and uh, I remember meeting him, and he was just so grouchy, and it was so disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really funny. Um, he was like, "Do you have a phone?" I'm like, yeah, you can use my phone. I guess that day, it was a really bad day for him. He fell on his phone, which broke it. And that's where his guide map was. Um, and he had gotten sick. And, and I, I have grace for him now. But at the time, I was like, oh, this guy's a jerk. Um, <laughs> and little did I know I'd be marrying him, which is funny. Um, and well, so we hiked, I guess, in total, about 1,700 of it together. Um, I hiked alone during the day, but we'd meet up in the evenings. And I, of course, like a lot of young people, either around our age um, or uh, like retired folks are the ones who hike. There's not really people in between, you know, you know, around 40s age. Um, So there's a lot of friends we made along the way. And so we just kind of hiked as a group together. um, And I was interested in him the whole time. And he friend zoned me the whole time. And it wasn't until we both ended up going to school in St. Louis. Um, I was going to Wash U uh, School of Medicine. I'm an occupational therapist. um, And he was going to to seminary. Um, And yeah, did I know I was going to marry a pastor? No. Are people surprised? I'm sure. and so I, I knew that going into the relationship that I was, you know, going into this life of being a pastor's wife. But yeah, so we started dating 
um, officially after we both started school in September 2016, um, around there. And it was really awkward. Our first date was so awkward. We'd never sat across from each other in like nice clothes. Um, and we didn't know what to say to each other. It was so awkward. Um, because we just, you know, talked business in a way, you know, how much are we hiking tomorrow? Talking about the day, talking about food, talking about gross stuff. So we'd crossed a lot of boundaries really early on. So there was like, maybe we were just, it was, yeah. Um, but when it was all nice and fancy, like, I was like, I didn't know what to do or what to say. And I realized, I was like, I actually don't think I know you that well. I don't think we've talked about that much. Um, yeah. So that's how we met. Um, I always laugh because it, it sounds so romantic, but when I think about it, I always laugh because I was friend zoned um, <laughs> by my husband. What? Um, yeah, no, it was it was an experience I'll never forget. That's for sure. Super. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we dated for a little over a year and a half, about, and then we got engaged, um, and then married. Shortly after I graduated um, with my um, OT degree, and then we went on Vicarage in um, St. Charles, Missouri for a year, which is where Jared is essentially like his internship where he goes and he's like um, a poorly paid pastor for a year. Uh, and then we moved back and lived on the seminary campus. Um, with babies everywhere every it's crazy all my friends like from high school and undergrad like none of them had babies but everyone my age like had a baby at seminary it was kind of crazy and uh they joke and say there's something in the water there um but i think that's when the the baby fever in a sense started and i was i'd always wanted to have kids and um jared and i talked about it you know even when we were dating um and he's always been more open. He's like, I'm okay with whatever happens. And oh, he's such a kind person. Um, and yeah, so this is all starting up to the lead up of my story as we, um, this last year was Jared's last year in seminary. And so we it just moved. He got his first call, as they call it, um, to a church north of Pittsburgh. Uh, so we moved we moved here. Well, the whole process is kind of crazy. You interview for several churches and then they will, they take your preference into account, but they essentially will send you to a place and you have a little bit of say, but not too much. Like if you're going there, if they say you're going there, you really should. I don't know. It's a very weird process that all of my family still doesn't understand. Um, as I, it's, um, he's a Lutheran pastor. I was um, kind of somewhat raised in the church, a Presbyterian, but uh, not a, a super religious person growing up, but here I am. Um, uh, and so we're here north of Pittsburgh and we moved June 3rd. Um, and so just this, just this last June. Um, and then I, right after we moved here, uh, I had a positive pregnancy test on June 7th. Um, it was funny, we, um, we were just unpacking, they had a moving company move us, so all of our stuff wasn't here. We were just sleeping on an air mattress, and my, my period was late, and I was freaking out because we'd been trying at that time for a month or two, no, it was two months, 
and my period was late and I went and ran to the Dollar General and because <laughs> it's the closest thing to us and because uh, we're somewhat in the middle of nowhere. I, for, I was so in, a, in like a, a tizzy, I forgot my mask and I ran in there in the Dollar General without my mask to get a pregnancy test. They're like, oh, this lady's probably losing it. Um, and it was negative. Um, now that I've learned more about pregnancy tests, I was a fool. I took, I drank a ton of water and it was in the middle of the afternoon and I was maybe like, you know, 14 days after ovulation. And um, so it was negative. And then I think it was the next morning I took a do the other Dollar General test that came with it and it was a very faint positive. Uh, and Jared told me he wouldn't believe it until it was an expensive test. Um, and so I waited for our stuff to get here and I had a couple of tests there in a, in a box and um, yeah, I was pregnant. Um, it was a whirlwind to move here, um, you know, go through this major life change and then also be pregnant and um, all, wait, all waiting for Jared to be ordained and installed at the church. And you know, it was just, it was crazy. Um, yeah. And so, uh, oh, I, you know, I can't forget to mention my, a good friend of mine, um, we've grown, grown a lot closer now recently, but she got pregnant maybe two weeks before me, a week or two. Um, and so we've been going on this journey together. Um, and she also had a miscarriage about a week or two before me. Um, so she has been my, my lifeline of living in a totally new place um, with no family or friends around um, and having someone to talk to through this process. Um, yeah, but my, uh, my first appointment was uh, July 7th um, of this year. And it I was, a, I would have been like around towards the end of eight weeks about, um, and it was, a at the satellite campus of this hospital. And so it was like in this tiny town. Um, and I show up for my appointment and, uh, they're asking me questions and she says, well, when's the you know, last day of your period? And I was like, okay, well I'm pregnant. And then the, the, <laughs> the person goes, what? It's like, yeah, this was supposed to be my first prenatal appointment. She goes, oh, we don't have that written down. Oh, well, I'm sure the doctor will talk about some of those things for you. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's off to a bad start. <laughs> yeah, and so I had that appointment at around eight weeks. I had to wait. I was in the transition uh, between insurances. Um, I'm, I'm 26. Uh, my husband's a year older. Um, so in the, after my birthday, I was off insurance, you know, after you turn 26. Um, I lost my stepdad's insurance. Um, and so we were waiting for Jared's insurance to kick in. So I was waiting. I waited a little later than I maybe would have liked to um, for the appointment. But, you know, eight weeks is fine and normal for a first appointment. So that was fine. Um, and then I found out that they don't do ultrasounds at the first appointment. So I was like, oh, that's not going to fly. Um, and they said they actually don't do ultrasounds until you know, week 16 for the anatomy scan because they say insurance doesn't cover it. So, you know, I think that night I went home and was looking at my insurance and I found out they do cover um, dating ultrasounds. So I called, um, got that scheduled. It was a, a lot of back and forth. I mean, I was, they definitely know my name there by now, um, calling to get the orders, to get that sent over. Um, I know, I think there was a couple days wait for them to return my call and then, you know, got to be the squeaky wheel. So I called again and finally got the ultrasound order. Um, and the ultrasound was the 16th. Um, 
And so it was at the, the end of the end of nine weeks about. Um, and so of course, you know, you know, it's COVID times and, um, but Jared came in with me and sat in the waiting room and um, went back for the ultrasound and it was awful, um, you know, waiting with a super full bladder. And then she's like, oh, well, I think you need to, you need to go empty your bladder, it's too full. Um, and then she's like, okay, when you get back, we'll have to do a vaginal ultrasound. And I was like, okay, that's not a good sign. Um, I knew at that point that, you know, something would be showing on a, you know, a regular abdominal. Um, and she, the only thing she said was, um, you know, are you sure you have your dates right? And uh, I was like, oh, um, you know, that's not, obviously not good. Um, and she never said anything, never turned the screen around, just did a lot of, a lot of poking around uncomfortably, you know, saying, you know, this, you're, you're going to hear a heartbeat, but it's, uh, it's your ovary. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, very well knowing there should be uh, at least a heartbeat at this point. Um, and then she kind of just turned off the machine and said uh, nothing. Um, I was like, well, this isn't a good sign. And she says, well, I'm not allowed to say anything. And she was just kind of cold, um, didn't make eye contact with me. And it was really frustrating to not have Jared back there. Um, so, I mean, she sent me out to just go sit in the waiting room and said, like, I'll send this to the doctor and I'll let you know what we're going to do. And so I just sat in the waiting room and was just shaking and crying and it was awful. And they were installing a new TV and it was so annoying to have this drill and these people banging on the walls and I'm sitting there hearing the worst news of my life. Um, and at that point, I mean, I knew, I knew something was obviously wrong. Um, Jared continued to remain hopeful. I was like, oh, well, maybe the dates are wrong, but I, you know, I knew, um, I knew at that point at the ultrasound. Um, and I don't remember how long I was sitting out there, way too long. And she finally said, you know, well, just go home and wait until a doctor gives you a call. And, um, you know, this is, the, this is the last time I'll be going to ever get an ultrasound at a satellite campus in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, where at least I know I, I can't see like an actual doctor. Um, yeah, so we went home. And so no one, I don't remember how long it was until they called me. I think it was late, late in the evening, like in the evening. I don't remember. Um, and she basically was like, oh, this isn't good news, but it isn't bad news. We need to monitor your HEG, do another ultrasound. And I mean, I still, I knew, but of course, you know, her saying those words um, gave Jared somewhat kind of hope. I mean, I guess he held on hope for us, but um, she told me the baby was measuring only uh, six weeks and four days about. Um, so, I mean, by the time I even had my first appointment, the baby had already um, died. And I mean, it's just crazy because none of my, none of my blood work raised any red flags. They didn't, um, I was still having all the symptoms. Um, so it was, you know, it was just kind of crazy. Um, so I went and did, you know, the back to back blood work the next day and um, had that other ultrasound and it was then finally when they, you know, called me and told me that the, the HCG was dropping, that um, she said that, you know, what I was experiencing was a missed miscarriage. And, and she gave me my options. And of course, I had already researched everything and knew um, 
I was like, okay, I want, I know I want a, a DNC. Um, I've talked to several people who I know have had a miscarriage and I, you know, I think I want the DNC. Um, and she's like, well, we'll wait until Monday and, uh, and then you'll meet with the doctor and discuss the options. And uh, so that was fine. And that, so that by the time this had kind of wrapped up, I think I was, you know, middle of 10 weeks, 11, close to 11, I don't really remember. Um, and my, my mom had already came to visit and my, my really close, um, friend from Houston came up and she went, we went and picked her up from the airport. And when we got her after the airport, we stopped at a gas station and right then I had started spotting on a, on a Saturday. Um, it was very light. Um, and then by, it wasn't too bad. And then by Monday I had my appointment and I was, you know, starting to, to believe quite a bit. Um, and so I had that appointment and where she examined me and told me my options. And at this point, since I had already started bleeding, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm obviously, I just, I don't want to go in for an emergency DNC. Um, yeah. And we talked and I, I decided that, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, take the pill because she told me, I expressed to her the concerns and risks I had heard about it. And she assured me that, you know, it's going to be awful regardless, but this could reduce the chance of, you know, you know, uh, tissue staying in the, your uterus and things like that. So, you know, I, I agreed to that. Um, and she was really nice and reassuring and um, comforting. Um, and it was a fine appointment, but um, when I, after she'd examined me and I was sitting there waiting, I don't remember what I was waiting for, but I, at that point I had like really, really started to bleed. Like I stood up um, and just bled all over the floor. And if, I mean, I, there's something about I guess from, I guess, period blood that feels somewhat shameful that we want to like hide it or, you know, be discreet about it. Um, I don't know what kind of came over me, but I just clean, cleaned it up and then didn't, didn't say anything when she came back in. And it was just, I, you know, looking back, I think I was just in shock and didn't know what to do. And, um, but I went home and, um, you know, Jared was like, I'll come, I'll come pick you up. Um, it was only, you know, 15 minutes away, but you know, I drove home and then I, I had started, I continued to bleed really heavily. And um, I called the, the office and was like, hey, should I still take this? I think it's just happening anyway. Um, and so I did. And it probably lasted a couple of hours, um, the pain and contractions. And just, you know, I laid in the shower and that was um, provided a lot of relief. And, you know, in the moment, you like looking up, like how much blood is too much blood? And the okay, like, I think this might be too much blood, but I don't want to go to the emergency room, especially, you know, during COVID. And I was like, I think I'm fine. I don't feel, you know, bad or anything. Um, yeah, so it was like in the evening, we just sat there and watched, uh, you know, cute dog videos on YouTube. And um, Jared was just really supportive through all of it, um, you know, rubbed my back and was just, uh, you know, there for me. And it was later that evening when all of a sudden, you know, the pain just kind of stopped. And, you know, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom and that's when uh, I passed the gestational sac. And um, 
and we had talked about it too. And I was like, Jared, what do I, what do you want me to do um, with, with the baby? Um, and I was like, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could, you know, essentially grab it from the toilet, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, but I, I did, I don't know what kind of also in that moment, what came over me. Um, and Jared came and it was just, that's, it was just a really emotional moment. Um, and when we just both kind of cried together and we, um, kept, kept the baby, um, my, I guess my, um, gestational sac had still grown pretty large, um, even though the baby itself only measured, you know, six and a half weeks. Um, and we talked to the, um, senior pastor who was here and even before, and we talked about, you know, what we could do and they have up the hill, um, actually a, um, little plot for babies who have been lost through miscarriage or stillbirth. And it's, um, this, just this tombstone, um, for, you know, pregnancy loss. And we were able to, um, have a small service the next day. Um, and that was very meaningful. I know, you know, not many people get that, but that provided so much closure and it made, you know, just having that there made me feel like that we were in the right place to go through this. Um, and the senior pastor was also the biggest support to me. Um, we'd had lots of talks and, um, he's, he's still there for me, even though he just recently retired. Um, so we had our service and we, um, had our little lilac bush that we planted. Um, we named our baby Levi. Um, yeah, and it, um, thankfully throughout this whole process, uh, I had interviewed at a, a couple of jobs, um, you know, moving into a, a pretty rural place that's about, you know, far away from Pittsburgh. Um, there weren't many occupational therapy jobs at the time. So I'd been looking and considering um, an activities director position because at the time I was pregnant and I was like, well, I don't want to, um, I don't want to have a super stressful job and I don't, um, I don't plan on staying there too long because I'm planning on, you know, staying home at least for a while um, after, after we have kids. Um, and so I didn't want to, you know, get jumped into this, this job and be overwhelmed and um, have to leave and at the time only like six months. Um, and I had applied for an activities director job in Allison Park out of, out of Pittsburgh and, um, was offered the position and then found out I was miscarrying the next week. So while I was still doing the process of TB test, physical, et cetera. Um, and I, I was able to call and tell them, um, I know the, the poor HR lady, I called and I was like, I'm having a miscarriage. I can't come in for a couple of weeks. Um, and so they were, you know, gracious and let me take some more time before I started work, which I'm really, really grateful for. Um, it allowed me to rest and recover and breathe. Um, I, I, I should have, I guess, asked for more time. I think I only was a week or two. Um, I could, I could, I should have had a little bit longer, but it was, it was fine. I guess in a way it was good to be busy and active and out of the house and out of my head. Um, and I think it was mostly in shock still, but right away I went into uh, turbo grieving mode. I read every single 
devotional on the Bible app about miscarriage in like the one day in one sitting, like just searching for comfort. And what else? I had read these books. I started listening to these podcasts when I went on walks um, and they all provided like a great comfort. I found these online journals. So I went and I journaled through um, and I, looking back, I mean, I wish I would have you know, taken it a little bit easier instead of trying to, you know, grieve in the best way. Um, I, w- I wish I had more moments of being still, but uh, looking back though, it did allow me to explore and express myself in ways I maybe wouldn't have. So, you know, I don't have too much, um, you know, regrets about how I spent that time. I mean, um, maybe spreading out all my readings instead of doing them all at once, but it was really helpful. You know, of course, coming into this new place and not knowing how to talk to people and during COVID, you know, meeting new people, you not knowing what to do and get support. And, you know, there's a, the pastors, um, other pastor who is, um, who's taken over the, the senior pastor who retired. They're only a couple of years older than us. Um, and so we're already starting to become friends at this point and, um, you know, sharing this with, um, with, uh, Crystal, um, was hard knowing like, Hey, we just met and here's the, the lowest part of my life I've ever been. Um, so that was, that was hard. I'm sure in a way they didn't quite know how to support, you know, these new friends and, um, in this period of, you know, time and pain and grief. Um, but I had, you know, I continued to have Jan to talk to. Um, and then I, I, it was a very rough point for me spiritually as well. Um, you know, in a sense, and feeling like, okay, I'm, you know, listening to God in a way, coming here um, and following Jared and leaving the wonderful job I had and coming here to, you know, leaving a stable, wonderful job during COVID and following my husband across the country is a little crazy. Um, and my, my prayer life too, really, really suffered feeling, um, you know, in a sense that God's not listening, um, or things like that. And so having, uh, the, the senior pastor to work through those things was really helpful. Um, but it was, it was super hard. Um, also, uh, not a confirmed thing, um, but I feel compelled to share just if anyone else, you know, has gone through this. Um, after my first appointment, I found out uh, that I had chlamydia. Um, you know, welcome to this new place and the pastor's wife has chlamydia. Like, oh, oh, geez, like, oh, like, that's a great way to get started. I'm like, this nurse probably knows you're the pastor of this church. And I was like, yeah, welcome. We're the new pastor's family. Um, found out I had chlamydia and knowing that that there's mixed things about whether or not it causes miscarriage and um, I'm under the impression that it's an infection um, is you know is just not a good thing to have and um, what was just really strange about it was I'd have I'd had several um, pap smears and things before you know after Jared and I were sexually active and they were always um, negative and nothing was wrong. And I guess the only thing that would make sense was that my immune system had done uh, such a good job of, of fighting it that once my, once I got pregnant, um, your, you know, your immunity lowers a little bit. So your cells don't attack the baby. 
and that's when I think it might have, you know, flared up and become noticeable. I don't know. People don't have answers for this. Um, and everyone seems really awkward when I ask the doctors about how this could happen. Um, because, you know, I think they're quick to think like maybe one of us is unfaithful, which isn't the case. Um, it's just how, how it happened. And I mean, we'll never know exactly what the cause was. Um, but I remind myself that, you know, there's so much shame and, and stigma around sexually transmitted diseases and infections. And um, I tell myself, you know, this was much like someone who has a, a rare blood clotting disorder or, or a thyroid problems or whatever it could be that could cause a miscarriage. It was a, it was a disease that was undetected until now. So I, you know, I initially had to keep repeating myself like this, you know, was not something you knew you'd been tested for STIs before. Like you couldn't have known that this was going to happen. And of course there's the, you know, I wish I would have gotten to the doctor sooner, but you know, my labs wouldn't have shown anything. So they, could, they wouldn't have known. Um, yeah. Yes. So even just processing through that was hard, you know, coming into this new place as a pastor's family with, you know, finding out we had chlamydia and a miscarriage was just nuts. Um, so that brought up a lot of, you know, shame and, and grief thinking about, um, you know, our past. And that brought up a lot uh, between me and Jared, but um, continued to remind ourselves that, you know, it wasn't our fault. We didn't know um, about this. We didn't have any symptoms either. So much like I had my, my miscarriage, I had no symptoms of, um, my symptoms continued. I had no cramping, bleeding, um, except the day after we found out we were diagnosed with chlamydia, I woke up that next morning and just uh, felt no symptoms. And so, of course, I'm panicking and, um, you know, thinking the worst. Because, you know, after I find out I have chlamydia, I Google, you know, chlamydia and pregnancy. Um, yeah, I should just I dis disable Safari forever. <laughs> um, and, you know, getting stuck in that loop of I was looking for research papers and, you know, trying to find like the hard facts about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's possible and it's likely, but I mean, once again, I'll never know. Um, yeah. And starting up work and, you know, getting adjusted to this new place has been really hard, like grief on many levels, grief of, um, you know, the plans and ordination that we would have had for Jared, but we didn't because of COVID and the, the loss of that, the loss of his, graduation ceremony and the loss of um, obviously our, our baby and really missing St. Louis. We really loved, we loved living in St. Louis and it was a, a great place um, for us. We had really great friends and um, so we were going through these, this massive grief of, you know, moving away from the place and people we know and love and, um, you know, feeling very lonely, especially at this time. Um, yeah. I think for me, what has been almost harder was we decided to start trying again. Um, you know, obviously we were cured of chlamydia, got tested, made sure we were good. And of course, all of me wants to continue testing and um, I'm anxious. I've always had, um, had anxiety in a sense. Um, sometimes it's more controlled than others, but it's, you know, it's just a part of life that, you know, I've found ways to cope with, but um, wanting to get literally everything tested, you know, Googling, you know, listening to these podcasts, hearing about what people did and did it. And I was like, okay, I want to go get these levels tested, get this done. Um, 
but there was this, you know, kind of just feeling in my heart that, that this was all that was going on. Even before um, the miscarriage, my cycles were always regular on the dot. Um, and I had no other symptoms of anything going on. I mean, I know that not, it's not a telltale sign of anything, but I just decided to let it be. And, uh, and you know, of course I asked my doctor about all these things and they tell you how common miscarriage is, but you're, you know, you're thinking, you know, you know, can't one be enough? Um, and so I just accepted that and once again, surrendered to the fact that, you know, I'll just never really know exactly why, um, not know why physically and also I'll never know why spiritually why it happened having to find peace with that um, but there are I, I you know in processing there are little things that I am you know thankful for you know thankful that we did get pregnant quickly and found out we had chlamydia quickly because you know once again who knows how long that could go until you get you know pelvic inflammatory disease and some real problems so um, Jared always gives me a hard time because I try to um, interpret things and make a story when he says you can't you can't you know know the mind of God I'm like yeah I'll try um, uh, thinking of our baby as the little warrior baby who paved the path for the others to come um, and to like let us know like hey there is something going on um, you do have this you know disease you don't know about um, yeah um, and then the yeah the, the trying trying again has been almost like re-traumatizing every month. Um, I think we, we definitely started too soon. We both were not ready. We started about after we had our first regular cycle to try again. And, and that was definitely too soon. And, and of course, in my mind, I'm convincing myself, I know this will not replace the baby. And I know I'm doing, um, I'm doing this for, you know, good reasons, but underlying, I wanted my timeline back. I wanted my baby back. Um, and, you know, I did a really good job of, in a sense, you know, telling myself, you know, I know this won't replace the baby, but, um, you know, looking back, I knew really I was just grieving and, you know, reaching for things. Um, but yeah, we'd been trying. Um, and the last couple months, the first month, my cycle was off from the miscarriage and we just totally missed ovulation window. And before, before this miscarriage, I wasn't too concerned. I mean, I'd done a lot of research, but I wasn't doing, you know, ovulation test kits or my temperature or any other things. I basically just kind of knew when my cycle was and washed my cervical mucus and that was about it. Um, but after the miscarriage, I did it all. <laughs> um, in which is, in a sense, it was definitely more stressful at first. Like the first cycle I tried the OPKs and they drove me nuts and I drank too much water. And then but in retrospect, I, you know, I could have, I would have kept going and noticed that I ovulated really super late because my cycle was long, but it was fine. Um, so it was just so painful to continue to wait and try. And um, especially with a really long cycle messing with my brain, like, oh, maybe, you know, but nope, it was just, I was, I was off from the miscarriage. And um, yeah, this last month we were doing a lot better emotionally. Um, while trying and, and, you know, Jared and I are in a good place and a good groove getting used to life here. And I actually found out I was pregnant three days ago. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still in shock and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this in a, you know, kind of scared and vulnerable way. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pregnant again. And it's, 
feels surreal and um, equally as terrifying. I think the first, uh, the first day I was super excited and happy. And then that night I woke up, I woke up at 3 a.m. and just had a panic attack. Um, like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, oh, I really am. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course I'm not, I'm super early, maybe four weeks-ish in a couple days, um, but had a positive response on a early pregnancy test and the digital one. And I took, I don't, I think I took like five different ones on the same day. Um, and they all said pregnant, so I guess I am. Um, and yeah, now I'm in this state of excited and, and fear and, you know, wanting to get in for blood work, but they won't, they're like, oh, you have, it's way too early. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll calm down. So I was in a sense really super trying to control the conceiving process. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm wanting to do every single thing I can to control it and continually having to remind myself, like all I can do is just surrender and trust the process. And, um, but yeah, this is, it's been a hard couple of days, but good and scary and um, just having to, you know, keep reminding myself that, you know, it's um, a different, a whole different pregnancy and, you know, my symptoms can be different because I'm not really feeling too, too much yet. Um, and it just feels a little bit like it did when I had my missed miscarriage, like um, a little bit of pregnancy symptoms, but not a lot. And so I think that's why I'm getting really anxious about it. Um, but I'm comparing myself too to the the full-blown symptoms I was having when I was at the time, like, you know, around eight weeks, um, or my HCG was still really high. So I need to be kind to myself there. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's scary. I feel for you. And I'm like the most, I'm like, just, I'm a such a hot mess person. And then um, TTC and pregnancy, totally type A. So I get the whole <laughs> things. I am with you. I do that as well. And you're right. You just have to surrender is, I mean, much easier said than yeah. done for sure. But, um, congratulations yeah. and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. You will have to keep in touch and keep us posted and whatnot too. Um, so yeah, I'm sharing this before I shared it with my family. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Um, well, technically we're basically family, right? That's what I always explain. That's true. That's this true. Community, it's like, it's my family, you know, we, we've all been there and we can be super vulnerable with each other and it's just amazing. And I'm so happy that you did that today. Uh, I always oh, ask you. at the end of every episode, if you have like one holy grail piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Uh, I, I, I've heard, listened to, you know, a lot of these podcasts and, you know, the one that comes up a lot is, you know, advocating for yourself. And call, I, you know, I don't know how many, I was on the, the phone just calling and calling. And, you know, if I wouldn't have had the, um, that was a bit of grace I had when, if I wouldn't have had the ultrasound, if I started bleeding, I would have thought I was about 11 weeks. Um, and that would have been significantly more terrifying to me for some way. I mean, I know it's scary, but I was like, this is an 11 week baby. I would have been losing my mind. Um, but knowing that the baby was six, six weeks, um, that was, you know, a bit of grace there. Um, and, and I guess my piece of advice would be look for the, um, look for the bits of grace and mercy in your story. It's hard, but 
there are little, you know, you know, maybe an ultrasound tech who was nice or kind or a family member. Look for the the, the pieces of, of joy um, in the in the darkness. You know, there. Oh, and a and a good quote that I listen to and I mean hear a lot is that joy joy and grief can coexist. So trying to live in that space and knowing like um, at the, if I would have had a miscarriage when um, the baby had died, I wouldn't have been on health insurance. Um, I mean, I know I would have eventually figured it out and, and, and got it together, but that would have just been so much more of a headache. But the fact that I had a miscarriage, I was covered um, on Jared's new health insurance. So that was a really, a really big, um, you know, hidden mercy in this terrible experience. Um, yeah, so I'd say look for the little bits of, you know, of mercy and to, I'm saying this because I need it now is being kind to yourself. Um, anything you're feeling and going through is normal and um, yeah. I love That's that. I feel like the best advice is when you're almost like giving yourself advice too. I do that all yeah. the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, it's normal that I'm nervous about this. I just had a miscarriage, you know, like Emily, yeah. of course you're anxious. Like I just, you know, of course I want to be happy, excited and thrilled. And it's just, um, you know, this fear of, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all get it. I, I mean, it's so scary. And I, like I said, I feel for you and I'm here if you mm -hmm. need anything too, even just like that. Uh, am I crazy? I'm not crazy, right? Moment. <laughs> just shoot me a message. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, Emily, where could they do so? Uh, Instagram would be good. Um, Emily A. Townley. Um, it's private, but just go ahead and, and friend me and send me a message. Um, that'd probably be the best. Awesome. I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thanks again, Emily, and good luck. Keep us posted. Yeah, and thank you for your time. And it was it was great and cathartic to share my story. So thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad you felt the pull to do it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 